Yeah, you experienced that from me. Yeah, I would put my hand up. I would energetically push you back with my hand up, and I say, "Stop, <laughs> stop, go away right now. I don't want to talk to you right now. I need space." Yeah, but you also say you you say, "Ew, you know." I'm not really attracted to you right now. The way your face is—you <laughs> look like a raisin. <laughs> Welcome, everybody, to the podcast. Relationships. Let's talk about it. I'm Prevo Toplitsky. I'm a psychotherapist specializing in relationship issues. Everybody's got one. Partners, family, friends co-workers, neighbors, relationships. Let's talk about it. Yeah, welcome everybody. Yeah, in this episode, I get to have another conversation with my wife, Rainbow. And we get to talk about how we've handled some aftermath of some fights and some conflicts, and we go into depths of some stories throughout our 27-year relationship, how we were, what things that we did and tried differently, how we've transformed the ways that we respond and repair, and some ways where we also keep repeating some of the patterns. But we catch them faster now, that's for sure. And something that we didn't talk about in this episode that I do want to really emphasize is our practice of appreciation and the amount and the depth and the consistency that we have shared appreciation really connects us to be able to drop those conflicts faster and come back in connection faster. And also we share appreciations after conflicts and after fights. We share appreciations of how the other person handled something positive, what they did that worked towards more repair, towards more connection. So we name when the other person and we appreciate the other person when they've done their work to bring their better self into the relationship at that time. So I wanna emphasize how important appreciation plays in that role. And since I'm talking about appreciation, I wanna plug my live Zoom workshop on the power of appreciation, the key to a deeper connection. And last month I had a really good successful first launch of that workshop on live on Zoom. So I've been requested to do it again, and I am. I am gonna be doing it on February 13th from 1 p.m. to 5 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. That's right, the day before Valentine's Day. So folks, what better gift to give to yourself than to share in a wonderful heartfelt space to be able to learn and to express deep appreciations to each other. I really am gonna go out on a limb and say, if you take this workshop on the 13th, I bet your Valentine's Day is gonna be really, really sweet. So if you wanna know more about it, just go to my website, prepo.com. There's also a pop-up page that comes to give you that link, but you can go to the Relationships Let's Learn About page on my website and the online courses, and it will direct you to more of an explanation about that workshop. I would love to see you there. And I truly think it's a beautiful Valentine's gift that you can give to each other. 
And before we get on to the conversation, I just want to say that if you are listening on Apple Podcasts, please don't forget to leave us a review. We'd really appreciate that. You can connect with us on Instagram at Prepo Toplitsky. No Facebook page anymore, folks. I'm off of Facebook. Mm-hmm. And if you want to connect with me on Twitter, I'm going to be more active on it in the future. So all of those have links in the show notes to connect to the social media there. Okay, here we go. My conversation with my wife, Rainbow, on the aftermath of a conflict or a fight. Mm -hmm. Let's talk about it. Hey, Louis, thank you for coming and wanting to have this conversation. You know, this conversation I wanted to have for a while. I've been kind of bugging you about it. Exactly. That's my words. You have been bugging me about it. We almost got into a fight about it. <laughs> but we? you are right. It's a good subject to bring up. And especially um, these past two years with the pandemic and that it, it just seemed much more prudent, this subject we're going to talk about today. Yeah. So I am glad I'm here now. I've had in my work in the last yeah few years especially, but even just in the last like three months or so, I've been actually having couples come into session after the fight, like fighting the, the night before and not talking and then having the session in the morning or having fight, big fight right before they come and then working it out in session. So yeah, this is a good topic to talk about, like more of the, the focus of the aftermath of of the fight. Mm-hmm. And it seemed that you're experiencing more of this these past two years, huh? In your office? No, oh, yeah, yeah. Just you know, I think I think I know. For for me, I get triggered because when I feel anxious, um, when I have like, there's so much fear that is floating around in uh, in our communities and around the world. So I think I know I get I get um, influenced by it, and I think a lot of people are influenced by it. So we're more sharp and more lax to uh, even take responsibility, accountability, to apologize, to just feel like we need to blow off steam and people are sharper and um, it's prevalent in uh, social media and, um, you know, people not being kind to each other. So that's happened a lot. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And I mean... Even me spending so much time out here in the forest where we live, I feel their energy, the worldwide energy going around. And we can see it in our relationship too, that these past two years also um, been a little tendency to be a bit fiery when we disagree about things. Yeah. So what, what, what's our, with astrology that, uh, that we have this fiery aspect, both of us? Uh-huh. Well, it's our moons, how we uh, deal with emotions. So um, we both have fiery moons. Mine is real fire. It's Aries moon. So I will flare up really quick. And yours is the Scorpio moon. And um, it likes to snap with its tail <laughs> and get the last word. Sting a little bit. Sting, yeah. Yeah, yeah, that's true. Yeah. You know what I loved? How we've utilized the forest. We talk about being out here, you know, not really living in a city, uh, but much more rural. 
um, is that that when after a conflict, it's so good to get out in nature and so good to just get that perspective and all that fresh air and walk. You know, I tell couples this so much, like that's one way that you and I, after we have a conflict and we want to come back together and talk about it, is we go for a walk. And that's so powerful. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's, we've really noticed that for the past several years, that that suits us well to get out of the house, get out under the sky and uh, walk. And we won't talk right away, but just walk for a while. And then usually about 10 minutes into the walk, one of us can begin to put words on that's the conflict. Be, that's that's uh, right right before one of us does that pinky truce, ha put out the hand, the pinky to get a, to to hold oh. the hand. We might not be ready to hold hands yet, though. Yeah. Right but some, there, sometimes but it's a bridge. Sometimes, like, we, right? We do it. Yeah, yeah. Because yeah, sometimes we're still not talking, but w when we get to hold hands, I, I know when I when you take my hand, it's like, all right, all right, cool. We're 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 here. We're There's together. a bridge. There's a bridge, and that to me was what's important because when we're holding hands, also and connecting, you know, I, I look at walking as a beautiful metaphor for for couples. It's like walking towards this the the future going the mobility of walking forward forward into their relationship they're both looking at the same viewpoint so they're seeing the same viewpoint and when you're holding hands you're physically connecting and, and sinking so that that connection then it's easier to talk about challenging issues because of that physical also connection mm -hmm. and we're walking side by side into the future yeah and I don't get angry when I walk with you. I get angry if I stop walking, let go of your hand, and then I get angry, but I don't keep walking and get angry, and, and th that can't happen. So That's true. It has happened sometimes that where we were walking to make peace, and, we and then suddenly we stopped and faced each other, and then we got into <laughs> a fight. And something like, yeah, no, wait a second, you, were, you didn't say that, all right? When we start to accuse each other in some way, and that's also a huge positive thing to do in an aftermath is is you know when we, when when we made that agreement that that at times we'll come you know to the accountability heart share where when we come back one thing that we start is we take accountability for our influence of the conflict you know mm -hmm. yeah it's interesting there was years where we would fight and then come back to work it out, but it will just be telling, but you did this wrong and I didn't like what you said there, or, or you shouldn't have said that to me. Like we would come back like that and that did not solve anything. Yeah. It just escalated totally. it again. Yeah. And, and remember also how you would, um, when, when we were fighting back then, back in the day, and then it would end with you stomping out of the door, slamming the door. Slamming that door. I, nobody can relate to that, honey. Nobody does that. She, that's yeah, right. I didn't yeah. grow up with that, actually. Right. I grew up with that. I grew up with uh, that modeling because that's something that, that we'll talk about too is is how we grew up is our also model for doing conflict and also after the conflict, repair. And most people do not have a good model about that, about repairing conflict in the aftermath. But I would just want to get back to, 
you know, the, the accountability part, I think is, is so good. Cause when each of us just sits for, you know, puts a, a timer on and one of us just talks for like three to five minutes about what our influence of the conflict is. Yes, I yelled at you. And when I yell at you, I know that you get very disappointed or feel di disrespected, you, that you feel hurt. Yes, I, I yell. And when I yell, I know it doesn't at all serve the relationship. And in my mind, I'm also, you know, trying to trying to tame that part, but but you did, I yelled because you did, and I gotta come back, like, no, no, no. It's about just me taking accountability on my side of the net. And when you and I do that, and then you take your responsibility on your side of the net, it stops that point of the freaking fingers. Like, it's so satisfying, because ultimately that's what we want. We want each other to like own your shit, instead of what we used to do is like, I'm gonna tell you what your shit is so that you own it. <laughs> We still do a little bit of that. I know that I do. Man, that's, yeah, because I mm -hmm. grew up with that. And, and also you have a little tendency that you like to be right. Yeah, well. That's, you know that. Yeah. But now we joke about it, but yeah. it is true. I know, and I always say this line too. Honey, because that's because I'm always right. I, it's hard to not always be right when you're always right. <laughs> uh, I, I I didn't grow up with that, that. I didn't see, well, yeah, my parents were going back and forth about who was right because they were arguing their points. But I grew up with that silent part after the fight of, you know, my dad before he would get angry to walk out. He walked out. My mom was also silent, but she was rager too. Um, but she would be silent and withdrawing. So I grew up a lot around withdrawal. Uh, and I did not see repair. I didn't see them like connecting for a lot of days. I mean, hell, you know, when they got divorced, they didn't speak to each other for like 15 years. So of course they didn't, they didn't learn how to do all this at all in a connecting way. And, um, but that's what I grew up with was, was that modeling. I didn't grow up with an apology, seeing apologies. So. Mm -hmm. yeah. Would you say that your mom maybe had a little tendency to go on and on? And then your dad would leave the room? Yeah, I'm sure. I mean, that's a that's a very typical um, dynamic, too, with men and women. Of, of A woman wants to really feel heard, and she's not being acknowledged, or that what her point is or what her challenge is, is what her complaint is, is not valid. Like the stonewalling that could take place that my dad did and 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 that a lot of men do. And so I think women feel that they have to really stress their point really hard to be heard. Like I hear some someone will say, I, I'm, I'm yelling because that's the only way that he hears me, right? And uh, um, I see that point. I see that point of having that boundary. But I think like that's the part where we've got to understand um, how we're affecting each other and then to create a new way and a new process that we both agree upon how to do that. Mm -hmm. Yeah, so with your mom and dad there, your mom kept going on and on. She wanted to be listened to and acknowledged, but your dad did not acknowledge it. And then eventually he would walk out of the room and then he would come back in and be silent. And, yep. and you said, were they stonewalling yeah. Yeah. for a while? Mm -hmm. Yeah, actually they both did that when that happened. So that's what I, that's what I saw growing up. So how long would that go on for? It could go on for days, you know, because um, like I said, my father used to work late 
um, and not come home till later. So I don't, maybe, you know, I didn't see a lot of behind the, behind the scenes, but it sure didn't feel like they were communicating in a connecting way after that for days. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And people, I, yeah, I mean, that's, that's a really challenge when people do that. That's why I tell them like, that's, that is eroding the poison of the relationship. That's why you and I, that was a big agreement that we made is that we're not going to let that seep and, and ferment and we catch it. We catch it faster and faster and faster. Yeah. What, what mm-hmm. about you? Like, what was your, some of your modeling growing up around aftermath of conflict? Yeah. With my parents, they were very young. Like my mom was 17 when I was born. So, hmm. I saw, I, I didn't really see much fighting. Um, so it wasn't modeled so much just in my younger years. I think they dealt with it in the bedroom or so. Um, I did experience one fight when I was four years old. My mom wanted to leave my dad and she told him that she wanted to keep me and my little sister. And he said, no way, I want to keep the girls. And um, what I remember from that was that my dad took us two young girls uh, to the basement and locked the door, the three of us in the room there. Wow. And we were living in my grandparents' house. So they came home, heard about the conflict, and they came knocking on the door and they're like, open up the door, let the girls out. And he was screaming back or yelling back to them. No, I won't because I want to make sure that I can keep the girls too. I'm not giving up my girls. And they were assuring him, we will work it out. Of course, you shall have your girls, but let's talk about it. Come on out with the girls now and let's talk about it. That was my grandparents. So they were role modeling to my parents that they they had to work it it out Mm -hmm. and talk about it. So they did. And that's what I heard. I didn't really witness it so much, but I heard that they often was giving advice to my parents. My parents were so young. Mm. And um, yeah, so after that big conflict there, four years into their marriage, my dad said to my mom, Let's not fight beyond sundown. Let's not go to bed without um, reaching out and, and say and, and connect mm. exactly and say I love you. So they did do that for the rest of their lives. Mm. Yeah, that that's some people make that commitment. You know that they make that that agreement. We're not going to go to bed angry. They say you know. I think that's good if it's an, an agreement. I know for us, we've we've gone to bed angry, <laughs> and it's kind of like just be with our feelings. And because I think that's if when we're not ready, like that, that's where you and I have made mistakes. Of course, in the past, and most people make mistakes is when they're not ready to repair. If you're not ready to repair, it's going to just go right back into that conflict. Exactly, and I don't think my parents really you know, talked about the conflict so much. They were just like, okay, it's sundown now and we have this agreement. So, okay, let's just make peace and forget about it and move on. And um, 
say I love you. And and then they moved on because they had us kids and they got more kids and yeah, they had to juggle it. Yeah, so I want to say they didn't role model fighting so much. I don't remember witnessing that so much. But what did affect me was my dad would come home from work. My mom would maybe say, she'd been naughty. You need to tell her or put her in place and that. So my dad would come home and play that role <clears throat> of um, uh, maybe hitting my butt, uh, telling me off or sending me to the room or so, you know, and that was not nice to experience for me. And it kind of shut me down a bit because he wasn't open to me uh, defending myself or explaining why I had done what I had done. Uh, I didn't feel safe enough explaining it. Um, yeah. So I felt I suppressed myself and I wasn't allowed to speak up. So that became my pattern. And so I moved into my adult years with that pattern of my patriarchal dad raising his voice and, you know, telling me off and telling me what to do. And then, so I was this sweet, nice girl. And then suddenly as a teenager, 13, 14 or so, I could really feel the hormones coming in. The fire came out. Yeah, the fire awoke mm. in me. Yeah. And... And um, so I wanted more freedom. I wanted to go out at night, stuff like that. And I was the first kid. So, of course, he was much more strict with me, and I was a girl. And um, so he was telling me, no, you can't do that. And it just, the fire just came up in me. I was like, I want to do that, and da-da-da-da-da. And then he escalated his voice, and then I escalated my voice. And then he would push me into the wall and I would push him back from the wall. And I felt a power come up in me and I escalated my voice too. So see, he was role modeling, yeah. escalating the voice and then you will be heard. So I did that too. And when he was pushing me, I pushed back. So yeah, there was that. And that began to to become my style. Yeah, your, your style was more about just like speaking up and, and meeting energy with energy. Yeah. Cause it, like with me, that energy, I mean, it was never, it never got, we never do anything physical in that way when we're angry, but that hard, like, don't talk to me like that right now. I don't like the energy that you give me. Like you put up a, yeah, uh, you experienced that from me. Yeah, yeah. I would boundary. put my hand up. I would energetically push you back with my hand up, and I say, "Stop, <laughs> stop, go away right now. I don't want to talk to you right now. I need space." Yeah, but you also say, "You you say, ew, you know, I'm not really attracted to you right now. The way your face is, <laughs> you look like a raisin." Oh <laughs> uh, yeah, yeah, and. And for me, it was like, okay, when you have that energy, like I can respect that that energy. It's when you escalate and yell it out. And I think most men have that trouble. It's kind of like 
well, you know, if you're going to, you know, put up that boundary with that kind of vitriol, sometimes we have to defend ourselves. And that's the thing. Like, that's when couples really get just this back and forth instead of really, you know, one, me not reacting when you do that, two, make an agreement like, hey, there's another way that we're going to do this. Like, we got to find our process of how you can stand up for yourself that you'll be heard by me. And, and I get the message. Mm-hmm. I, I, I agree. I totally understand that. But it's also an evolution yeah. that we yep. each have to go through yeah, and also have. in the relationship. And I grew up with a suppressive uh, patriarchal dad who controlled me a lot. So, you know, I, and, and, and I, I think the species of women have experienced suppression from yeah. men for hundreds of years and actually thousands. for thousands of years. So it is in our DNA and it is passed on in the families and that. And I'm certainly aware of that in me too. So, I, you know, and I know it can seem unfair when I come out with that fiery energy to you. And maybe it's a little over for 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 the the conflict we're having, but it's also I'm kind of speaking up on on behalf of all women of all yeah, your in women. my <laughs> ancestral lineage yeah, sure. at least yeah. of the suppression there, and I am making a change. Yeah. And I wanted to say back in my teenage years when I had that big fight with my dad when I was probably 14, where he was pushing me in the wall and I pushed him out and that. It was witnessed by my siblings and my sister was 11 and my brother was eight. And it did had a traumatic yeah. effect on them witnessing this fight. That was an imprint. Exactly. Yeah. So what happened with my little sister, for example, she was 11, not yet a teenager. So the hormones wasn't up for her and that, and she just thought that was so ugly and she did not like how I spoke to my dad and she thought it was wrong. And she took the decision that she would not speak to our parents that way. So she took on the role of the nice girl throughout her teenage years and never broke through like I did that that night she witnessed that and then my little brother who was eight he was very traumatized by it and um, he never forgot it and he thought it was really unfair and he he thought it was hard on me and and got upset with my dad how my dad was treating me there so it, it I think it always sat in him and, um, yeah, what was it we talked about with these family patterns coming up like that? Oh, yeah. The thing is, so after that fight there, what would have been really nice if a few days later or so, because we did have family meetings, it would have been nice if my parents had brought it up and asked the younger siblings how was this witnessing this fight for you and brought up any questions they had about it or so. And if we had role modeled in front of them, me and my dad could have apologized to each other. Yeah. But that right. didn't happen. Right. The apology is, is huge. You know, you and I, that's a big part of our relationship and, and how important it is to, to apologies. Cause that, 
the when we do apologies well, that's um, part of this whole like whatever people you know the toolkit and and to be able to, what to do after um, a fight. It's so profound when it's done well. Like it's one that's really owned when there's emotion, when there's empathy, and we would do that in front of Xander. And that was really important. That was our modeling to to do apologies in front. So he learned really good apologies, and we would apologize to him, and um, often. And I think that that's key. You know, I just want to throw that out for families doing that, and for couples doing their apologies really, really well. We have podcasts on apologies, so I won't go into to the depth of that. But that's a when 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 you're ready to do that, it's so important to do that in the aftermath of of a fight. So then. Didn't you say that that later on your father gave you? Yeah, but let me just say, just as we were talking about Sander here, that if there was um, fights in front of Sander or, or something, we would later ask him about, how did you feel yeah. about this? Mm-hmm. What do you think? And And say a little bit about our feelings. And I'm sorry that we did this right in front of you, but da-da-da. Yeah. Yeah. That was really important to, to understand what his experience was and not just project what we think his experience was or to tell him what his experience should be to allow him to have a space. And for me, that was really good because when I heard sometimes, you know, if he felt affected by it, like that's a, you know, the, the guilt can be a good emotion to springboard to change behavior. And folks, that's why I would just put out is like, we all have these patterns. It's when we take enough focus and effort to change and transform these patterns. And that's the beauty of being in a long-term relationship, 26 years of really transforming these patterns with each other over the years to get to where we're more and more and more comfortable with how we're, we're dealing with, uh, with our repair. Mm-hmm. We, we get more chances to refine it and work on it and that because I mean, one thing is pretty sure in relationships that there will always be disagreements and fights. It's ongoing um, throughout from beginning to end. So many, many years. So it's smart to talk about how do we want to fight, have some, a few rules about that. And how do we get back to peace and have rules about that too and some di- uh, agreements? Yeah, it's really important to have those agreements so that when we're all hijacked and, and going all, all over the place that we can remember, you know, those agreements. Because if you do those repetitively and come back to some of the agreements, the agreements of, you know, not escalating and, and name calling, that's a big one. You know, I think that's really important that and people, I think is important to choose that, you know, because when there is that that name calling that's contempt and that's degrading the other person and contempt is a big poison of relationships so we can express ourselves w- without that yeah so doing think, the name calling and ooh, it just doesn't feel so good afterwards no the one thing about like you know knowing that we're in conflict that we that that we don't agree but not really seeing each other as the enemy because that's that's horrible because when we do that, we know how much that just breeds hurt and separation. And uh, uh, our intimate relationships and partnerships and family should not be the brunt of that. Again, that's what I think what we talked started talking off earlier around 
how the the fear and the energy in the outer world can affect people and their relationships and the family. And so we have to really safeguard that, and create sacredness around that, and not let that energy come in. I, I you know I go back to to also when when I when I had a really good team in sports, like it, it was when we would not agree with each other or somebody made a mistake. We would we would repair it fast because if you didn't repair it fast, then you didn't get back as a team. And whether it was like, I'm sorry, man, you know, sorry I said that, sorry I did that, or call somebody out and and uh, let to be heard. And I look at like families of that aspect of being a real team. And so you got to feel that you're you're a team. I know that sounds such a cliche, um, but that you have the same vision, that you have the same. Um, collective purpose that you want to experience as as a unit. I think that that's really important to see that agreement of what we do when we're being pulled away. Mm-hmm. And like one thing, for example, is kindness. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, you do that so well that you bring kindness in when there's a disconnection. Yeah, that's that you're such an inspiration in that and that's what I'm wanting to be more and more. Yeah, and also come to peace with that we are very different people and we cannot agree about everything. We agree about important things. That's why we want to journey through life together. But there are some things that we don't agree upon. Yeah. And that's just how it is and we can't convince each other about it. Yeah. Because it's just not, we have different natures. And when we really learn that more about having the discernment of like really knowing when to let something go. And I like that, that we let a lot of things go before they get, before they get heated. Like it's just not worth going down. Like we're not seeing eye to eye. And, and so we, we just pause and we still stay connected in something else. But we, we catch that, we catch that direction going off or, or if one of us says something sharp, we, we catch it faster and that i think is so vital as opposed to then when you need to speak to how the um, the effect of the conflict is in within you and to be able to express that and be known and being heard those are those are having discernments of how to do it what do you drop and what do you process mm-hmm. yeah where do we compromise a little bit give the other one some slack yeah, like there's times where I know that you give me slack when I'm able to say, "Hey, hey, hey," you know. Yeah, I, I'm I'm really sorry that I was that sharp, or or you call me out if I, you know, had anxiety or got sharp, and I'm and if, when I can recognize that vulnerability, I'm like, "Hey, babe, I, I get it." But if you would have any idea what I'm carrying right now of like my load and what I got to do and my work life and 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 then you start to have empathy for that. Mm-hmm. And I really appreciate that, that you have pointed that out and reminding me about that you might just have had a really intense day at work or intense week at work. And it's good for me to be reminded about that when I had some quick judgments on you and why you're not helping me more in the house or something like that. And then realizing, oh gosh, you had a full week at work and you need a day off before you're ready to partake in housework and stuff like that but i needed you to bring that to my attention and i'm really glad you did Mm -hmm. yeah 
instead of me bugging you, you come in the door and it's like, I want you to do this and can you do that? And we also need this fixed and that fixed and that is overwhelming you. But had you not brought it to my attention, I would not have realized I was overwhelming you. Yeah. Yeah. I'm glad I brought that to your attention because there is there when that shift kind of just occurred of just empathy of understanding, you know, or, you know, in these months when you were in a lot of pain, when you expressed that you were in pain, I understood more and I was able to have more kindness and empathy. So I do think it's so important that we and people continue to share what's going on for them. Share, you know, when we share some of our burdens or struggles, we can, I did a podcast on this, we can lean into each other, we can understand each other more. And it's not about making excuses, it's about sharing how we're triggered, what's going on with our life, how we're dealing with it. So the people just, again, when we feel understood, then we have room to understand somebody else out. And that's something that's so important. Mm -hmm, exactly. We, we've got to speak up for ourselves. And and these past months, I've been going through pain in my body and healing process and that. And um, you couldn't always see it on me. So I had to speak up about it to you and get some more compassion. Um, and that was really good and I could see of course you can't just guess what's going on inside of me I gotta mm. speak to it yeah I, I just gotta tell this story again I, I I told it but it's it's apropos for now it, I remember when we were going to we were going to your doctor and we were in the driveway and you asked me to go get a few things I think it was like on the third time that you forgot something out of the house I came when I left the car I, I kind of slammed the car door shut it hard and when I came back, I came back with, with energy and I got in the car and you just looked at me and you just said with a kind of a convicted, kind um, voice, conviction and kindness, you was like, would you, would you just be more loving to me today? And that, that reminder, it, it was just like a shot to me. And, and I, I remember like putting my head down. Like, yeah, you're so right. I need to be just more loving. And I looked at my... And I saw my T-shirt, and my T-shirt had these big letters on it, Be Kind. It said, I'm thinking, man, I'm wearing a billboard, and I can't even be kind right now. But the, that was a way of that repair that we did right after. Like, I trusted what you said, what you need, and you said it in a way that I could really hear it. And that's not always your responsibility, but when we do that, when we, when we say it in a certain way, I always tell people how you respond to what you don't like is so indicative and influential to the response back you're going to get. So focus more on how you want to respond. And you responded really well in that, in that situation. Cause you could have bitched me out and you know, why aren't you kind to me? I'm hurting, but you didn't do that. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And that's also the thing, you know, we grow by having all these conflicts throughout our relationship. We grow and evolve with it and, we see what doesn't work and we give each other feedback on it too uh, way after the fight when we have calmed down days or weeks after and we talk about it and say that really hurt me when you were speaking to me I felt like you were speaking like my dad and I've had to say that to you quite uh, many times 
to remind you that that triggers something in me that you talk to me like my dad. Mm -hmm. And, and then you had to look at that. Yeah. And and there's a difference when you say it in the heat. That's real challenging for me to to like just back down. There's times I have, um, but when you say it afterwards as a reflection of for me to get it. And again, it's like, you know, finding that that timing afterwards that you know that that both of you are down. You know, you don't you're not taking being separate and ramping up and escalation because I think that that's what we've learned over the years is when we come back together we self-soothe ourselves enough that we're going to be interested in the other person like this I want to know what's going on because conflict is there for understanding mm -hmm. exactly and we are experimenting yeah, we with, with, with different ways of reacting or different ways of speaking our truths and then we get a reaction back from our partner And then days later we talk about it. So we learn from it. And then next time we have a fight, we can try to um, experiment with some of that feedback. And our fights are less and less. We hardly have big blowout fights, but but boy, we, we had some. I mean, I remember um, feeling so separate, uh, disconnected from you when we're in, in this beautiful um, Italian coast of the Amalfi Coast in Positana. And we had a big separation then. Mm -hmm. yeah. And we were on a three week vacation, which was actually a honeymoon, <laughs> yeah. the honeymoon we never got. Yeah, for many years later. Yeah, so we were on a wonderful romantic journey yeah. in Italy. Yeah. But then there were still big fights happening. So we, we I, we rented this, when we rented the scooter, I was a happy boy. I loved, and those of you that have been in Italy, it's like, that's a daring thing to do, is to drive a scooter in Italy. And I was so excited to do it. And uh, so we, we rented a scooter and we, we drove from uh, Positana to Pompeii to, um, that's like 25 miles. Through the mountains. Through the mountains. Through tunnels. And yeah. And we, we headed out early in the morning. No GPS. Yeah. We just. We just did it. Yeah. yeah. And we wanted to explore Pompeii, that old, old city. Yeah. And it was hot and um, it was getting late. And I was like... Well, I still <laughs> wanted to explore more in Pompeii because um, that was an amazing... And I was surprised how big it was. And we were walking around right. there and it really took time. And I was so impressed with uh, how advanced that little city was back then before it got covered with uh, the volcanic vol volcanic ashes. So we had a little different agenda. And I agenda. still wanted to be there for a longer time. And you said, no, nope, we got to get home because... Wanted to get there before dark, man. I didn't want to go on, on the mountains on the scooter with the Italian drivers. Yeah. And we were... We, so I began to feel a little yeah, bit resentment there yeah. that... Well, cutting the, yeah. the visit short because when would we ever get a chance to be in Pompeii again? Yeah. So that was building. That's our building. So when we left, um, uh, we were driving for about a half hour. On cobblestones. <laughs> cobblestones. And my butt began to feel sore. And about a half hour, I'm like, man, this doesn't look familiar. I, I don't think we're going the right way. And we ended up asking some local Italians who, 
I think they would bullshit me with the directions that they, they, they want to fuck with me. And they gave me the wrong directions. And they said, you got to go all the way back. And we had to go all the way back another half hour in the opposite direction, riding down cobblestone. And, and it, it started raining. <laughs> it started raining. Oh, I was uh, getting upset that you had got us on that goose, what's it called? A goose chase. Goose chase. Yeah. And now we had to go all the way back on cobblestones. Yeah. Oh, so I was getting pretty upset. And then we finally got back to our starting point an hour later, and it's starting to get dark. It's, it's already starting to get dark. And you were, you were like, that's it. It we're, was dark, it was and I'm there. like, let's just get a hotel room, and we'll figure it out in the morning, start afresh. And I was stubborn. I was like, a hotel room? I'm paying for a sweet-ass Airbnb overlooking the Mediterranean in Positano. I'm not paying for another hotel room. <laughs> and I was like, yeah, we're, we're And going. I was like, well, if you're not paying for a hotel, I am not getting up on that scooter again until you know the way out of Pompeii. Yeah. So I'm waiting right here. And we were escalating. We were, we were in this little piazza and there was nobody around and we were bitching to each other about it. And then finally you said, I'm staying right here. I'm not getting on the scooter until you find a way out. And I looked over and there was a, a cop car with cops, two Italian cops in it a little bit over. So I went over and told him that I was lost. I wanted to get to, to Positano. And he looked and he said, he pointed to the scooter and I'm like, yeah. And he probably saw like your energy pacing back and forth and looking like, man, these foreigners are not little loving Italians. They're not lovers tonight. That doesn't look like a honeymoon. That doesn't look so good. And so instead of him telling me, he said, you just follow me. And I was like, cool. I would just follow him. Came back to you. I said, "Hey, babe, we'll get the police escort out here," and we did. We got this police escort. They put their lights on, and we went on the highway, which you can't drive a scooter in Italy on the highway. And but they—that's why they—they they gave us because they wanted to get us on the right road. So we drove about five miles with this police light escort. Yeah, and I couldn't help getting my moods up. I thought that was pretty cool. I felt we were in a movie. Yeah, then we started playing with each other. Even though we were still a little uh, angry, I was like, yeah, babe, how you like this? Yeah, I did good, didn't I? <laughs> well, we couldn't really talk as we were driving, lovey. But um, I thought it was really cool. I felt I was in a movie, and it was fun to um, pass that sign on the highway. They are saying no scooters allowed. And yet the police was there we go. Yeah. telling us to follow them. Then once we got off on the road, I start, I put into my Italian, Italiano scooter man um, energy. And man, I was, there was a five mile traffic that went through tunnels and everything. And I was doing Italian scooter. I was riding that middle line, zigging in and out. I was, and how'd you feel about that? And over in the other lane too. How'd you feel about that? Yeah, I was really impressed. There you go. That's right. You there was something about it. That energy was like, you know, you weren't worried, you weren't angry, because I, I felt I had it. I didn't feel like I was putting us in danger. I was like, this, this. Is, I used to ride a motorcycle, and I love, uh, love driving right now. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I like sitting on the back of a motorbike too, in my young years. So it was also bringing that up and that uh, frisky way you were driving. You, you were really becoming Italian, yeah. and I was impressed yeah and you start holding around me a little tighter i could feel that yeah so and we got closer we got closer yeah there yeah yeah and, and 
then all my anger and then just we, evaporated. And then we had a magical And it was like, I thought it was an adventure yeah, driving turns. through the dark mountain saying, we made it out of Pompeii. Yeah. And you did find a solution by asking the police. Yeah. So it was great. And then we come around a curve and we see uh, uh, some big food trucks on the road and I'm, I'm <laughs> clapping you on, on the thigh and I say, let's stop here. Let's eat here. Yeah. And it was a beautiful view over the whole city of Sorrento. And we were just laughing and just felt really connected. And there was a, there was a huge, it felt like a huge blowout that, that we had. We haven't had that in a while, the way that our energy was to each other. But it worked. We, we allowed it to work out. And we talked about it a little bit afterwards. But that way of connecting, of that we just trusted that we would, that it would work out. And we connected through that that magic experience. Well, we were able to talk about it right away when we came back to the Airbnb. Yeah, that's true. Um, because we already went through this magic journey and being part of a movie and that it was just so fun and mm. all the lights uh, along the ocean and that it was incredible. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And it turned out so cool actually to drive through the mountains in the dark and you had been so scared of that and, and you I loved were it fine. I loved it I, I had this re, re, renewed part of of like confidence and I think like that's what it was when when I couldn't find our way I was like oh man like my confidence level was going low and then you were getting complaining and you weren't happy so I felt inadequate I felt like I was wasn't providing my principessa a way a way a smooth way home, and when I got that police escort and I started driving that scooter away, I started gaining more confidence, and that showed up in the way that I communicated with you, because I think a lot of men when we communicate out of inadequacy, um, we we don't feel that vulnerability and we shoot out with anger and blame and stonewall, withdrawal, all kinds of things, and uh, so I was able to connect within myself. And when I connected within myself and felt confident, uh, I was able to communicate with you. I didn't feel um, uh, abandoned by you or betrayed by you of things that I would make up in my mind if I felt really in- inadequate. I wasn't good enough for you. Mm-hmm. You yeah. worked it out. I worked it out. You gained my respect. <laughs> and I love that. It's a It's a great story to be able to tell over and over again. I love telling that that story and I do hey I do apologize for putting you through um riding on cobblestone and and uh rain and not to uh not to just uh get a hotel and we could add another experience you know and just uh kind of honor that so I was I know that I was like pushing your need or your um your suggestions away because I was stubborn, you know, so just want to put that out. Thank you for saying that. Yeah. See, apologies are good. They're good folks, you know, just, you know, being able to take accountability of, of some of that, some of that experience, it helps. I mean, cause when you told me about when you experienced something in apology early on in your twenties, how transformative that was. Oh yeah. Let me just um, tell that little story with my dad because the resentment had built up to towards my dad from me uh, since early childhood and um, at age 29 I 
experienced something with him that made a huge difference in our relationship. They, my mom and dad were separated at that point, so they didn't live together. So my dad still lived in the family house. And I came in one day to pick something up in a room and he's sitting at the end of the living room and I'm coming in, I'm waving my hand and say hi, but I did not go over and give him a hug and check in with him or tell him why I was there. I just waved and then I went into another room to look for something to pick up. And he comes in, he was so upset and he starts yelling at me and why I'm so rude and why I'm not acknowledging him. And I start defending myself. Well, I waved, but he's like, no, you're ignoring me and you're so rude and this is my house and da-da-da. And we started escalating and we did that style of, uh, you know, the one who uh, yells the loudest will be right. So we went back and forth with that and he's, and then he pushed me into the wall like I experienced when I was 13. And we were home alone in the house and I got really scared. And so I, I just shut up and, and then he walked out of the room, stayed away for a little while and I was shaking in there and scared. I was like, oh, is he going to come back and hit me or something? I was really scared. And he comes back in the room and he had totally shifted. He had went out to take a deep breath and he comes in and he says, I am so sorry of my behavior. Mm. This was not right of me. I am so sorry. Please accept my apology. And he started tearing up and wow. he's like, I'm so sorry I treated you like this. And, and I was just like, whoa, he had never in my 29 years of life given me an apology. I was dumbfounded. And I just stood there and, and I was still a little scared from our fight, but I said, it, it's okay, Dad, thank you. And um, wow. that made a turning point in our relationship. I began to look at him with different eyes because he gave me that apology. And I'm imagining that some of your resentment kind of went away mm -hmm. from him because of receiving that. It did. Yeah, that he and was capable of And we began to feeling. create an adult relationship. Mm -hmm. yeah. yeah. So the power of apology is really powerful. That's huge. It's so, so important. And, and I, you know, I want to kind of just, you know, end a little bit on the understanding of how important the the connection and the communication is in all relationships and for for us you know even having conversations like this in the way that we're having it right you know on the podcast and people get to to hear you know our stories i'm hearing your story and we're talking about it and when we talk about wounds or things from our past and how we are of of who we are and our understanding reflection we get to know each other more. And when we get to know each other more, then uh, I have more understanding of you, more respect, um, understand your triggers. So that when we do have reactions, it's a whole picture. And getting, getting that understanding and closeness of talking to each other, not just in a repair of conflict. That's why I want to stress. It's not only getting intimate and and deep of knowing the other person, what their feelings, 
in a repair of conflict or an attempt of repair of conflict, when we do that in just more of our everyday life, get to know each other in that intimacy and being known, that's feeding the relationship so that it could withstand the uh, challenges of of conflicts. Mm -hmm. Yes, exactly. It's when we are in peacetime with each other that it's good to have a conversation about our past and how we grew up and and what it is about you that triggers a, a parent relationship with me because um, I trigger a, a parent relationship for you too. It's yeah. very normal. Right. But it's good to talk about in peacetimes, peace talk times. about uh, the role modeling we grew up with so we have more compassion for each other and understand our styles of fighting. Yeah. And just, again, feel that that closeness and feeding the relationship and and more of the empathy and more of, of the love so that we can keep navigating um, and staying connected uh, through and after conflicts. So thank you. Thank you, my sweet, for uh, for venturing and, and uh, journeying um, and partnering with me on this. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's very good to speak with you about this mm. and share our stories, you our were, journey. You were putting up fingers to me. What did oh, that? Three fingers. Yeah, what was that? Communication. <laughs> communication. Communication. That's right. Yeah. Okay. Thank you, love. Yeah, let's go make some dinner. Relationships, Let's Talk About It, is a production of HeartShare Counseling and Consulting PC of Asheville, North Carolina. For more about licensed counselor Prebo Teplitsky, visit prebo.com. Theme music by Adi the Monk. This content is intended for informational purposes only, is not a substitute for professional counseling or therapy, medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment, and does not constitute medical or other professional advice.